Thank you. Thank you very much, worship team. Thank you, Recovery House of Worship. So, we've started a brand new series. The series we've started is called Resurrecting Faith, and we started by talking about how there are moments in our lives where we find ourselves sitting in that seat again. The place where we said, I'll never go back there. I'll never do that thing. Not ever again. And we find ourselves sitting there. I've been there too many times to count. Too many times thinking, where did I go wrong? Why do I keep on finding myself here? Why do I keep on going back to old, old things that do not satisfy? It's, it's what we're focusing on today. So we started last week, and if you missed last week, I really do encourage you to go on the website or on the Facebook uh, page or wherever we have the sermons and actually look it up. Um, we laid a groundwork, but I have to lay a groundwork for the groundwork. So for those of you who weren't here um, last week, it's just a quick overview. I encourage you to go back. Now on Easter, we had sort of a prequel. You know what I mean when I say prequel? It's like before the beginning, right? And so what we discussed in Easter was that we, uh, that the resurrection of Jesus enables us, or the resurrection of Jesus shows us who we are. That means Jesus points out our sinfulness. That means Jesus is the one who uh, puts his finger on our wickedness. He shows us how grimy we really are. Tells us who we need and leads us where to go. Shows us who we are, tells us who we need, and leads us where to go. Now, last week, we talked about having brokenhearted boldness when we sin. Remember, this two weeks is not about so much how to prevent you from sinning, although if it helps you to, to prevent you from sinning, I'll be glad about that. But this two weeks is talking about how we can respond to God after we've sinned. After we've sinned. And so the way we, uh, the way we respond to our sin is with broken-hearted boldness. So what do we do? What do we do? Last week we talked about how, what to know. And here's what you need to know. After you sin, here's what you need to know. Actually, let's look at Micah 7, 7 through 9. And then just let it wash over you. And um, yeah, just let it wash over you. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for, my, for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. 
Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. So these last two weeks are for those who have blown it, who can't get it together, who have messed up, who have gone back time and time again. For people like me. And I hope for the person sitting in your seat. So <clears throat> when we're looking at brokenhearted boldness, we look at it from the lens of what does a disciple of Christ do after he sins? Do you remember what we said last week? We said that there's generally, and there's more ways of responding, but there's generally two ways. The one way that we respond to sin is we're brokenhearted. Oh, we beat ourselves. We're like, oh, I can't believe I did it. Oh, my goodness, what was I thinking? How could I have done it again? What was it? Oh, what's going to be? And then we go beyond that, and we go, what if someone else finds out? What about the consequences? How am I going to fix this thing that I've messed up? Right? Then that's one way of responding to our sin. The other way of responding to our sin is not brokenheartedness, but boldness. Going, well, mess that one up. Just keep it moving. All right, well, no one's perfect. All right, well, God will forgive me. Jesus will forgive me. Don't make me feel guilty, man. Don't give, don't give me shame. Don't, don't put that over me. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll just do better next time. So there's a boldness that we would say, this is not helpful for your spiritual walk. And there's a brokenness that we would say, this is not helpful for your spiritual walk. What we want to do as Christ followers is we neither want to be just bold or just broken. And if you're, I'm more on this side of the street. I like, oh, I can't believe I did this, how I messed up. Oh man, God has been so good to me. How could I have betrayed him this way? I'm on this side of the street. Maybe you're on that side of the street, or maybe you're like in a gradation between the two. I don't know. But I do know that when we respond to God after our sin, my experience after having pastored for 20 years is that we neither have brokenhearted, we neither are brokenhearted or bold. You know what we do? We break out. We leave the building. We st when I say leave the building, I don't mean leave this building. When I see leave the building, we stop engaging with God. We just go, I don't want to deal with God. I don't want to deal with whatever shame or guilt or whatever I have to deal with. I don't want to mess with God. So you know what we do? We get away from anything that can remind us about who God is. And that means God's people, certainly God's word, gathering together as we do. We do anything, and then usually what happens is that we wind up going deeper into sin because, again, the guilt and the shame is so great that we have to comfort ourselves, and the way we comfort ourselves is these idols that we run to, these things that we go to. And so what do you do? What do you do? And then the cycle, like we talked about, or we sang about, that cycle goes and continues and continues and continues. I mean... Does anybody know what it's like to pick up a beer in 1983 and not 
say, holy cow, maybe beer is a problem till 2013. Like too many of us, right? It's a cycle. It just kind of gets us. To... And so when we sin, we need a better strategy than running away from the only one who can make sense of it all. We need a better strategy than ignoring the only one who wants to save us from our sin. We need a better strategy than just going, ah, he'll forgive me, being like glib about it. Could you imagine? Imagine being married to someone like that. Imagine being married to somebody like that. Imagine being married to a a person who's always brokenhearted. And like, oh my gosh, I forgot to pick up the laundry. Oh my gosh, could you ever forgive me? I don't know how you could put up with me. This is terrible. You told me and you reminded me, but I didn't pick up the laundry. This is awful. I wish we could, oh gosh, how woe is me. Could you imagine being married to that person and not being able to talk about anything but the fact that they messed up? Or could you imagine being married to the other person? A person who goes, you know, past the salt. Yeah, you know, I cheated on you with your best friend, but, you know, I know you're a Christian. You'll forgive me. Is there any more mayonnaise? I want to put some mayonnaise on this. So there's like, right, could you imagine being married to that person? It's difficult. But the Bible says that the church, us gathered together, that we're his bride, that we're like his bride. That's how he loves us, deep like that. And sometimes we go to God and all we could talk about is how messed up we are. He goes, I know, I know it better than you do. In fact, you don't know the half of it. You're far more messed up than what you're confessing. And what you're confessing isn't even what you're really messed up about. What you're confessing is what you're using to avoid what you really need to address. And then, could you imagine being married to the person who's just like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Forgive me. That's on you. Could you imagine hearing that after, like, your spouse cheated on you? Oh, if you're still upset after three, I've literally been in counseling sessions where three months has passed by after the spouse has cheated, and they're frustrated and impatient because the spouse hasn't gotten over it yet. But, you know, when I see them, I never get upset, and I don't get upset anymore. You know why? Because they just remind me of me. I'm like, God, why are you still bringing this up? Why are you still bringing this up? I thought we got over this. It's the blood of Jesus. Somebody give me a song about the blood of Jesus. It's outrageous, isn't it? But that's me. And maybe that's you. And so we neither want to be brokenhearted nor we want to be bold. We don't want to be glib nor do we want to be in a perpetual shame. What we want to do is be surrendered And that's why we say we need brokenhearted boldness. Last week, we talked about the brokenhearted boldness, what we needed to know. And here's what we needed to know. We needed to have, um, and we get it right from the text. We need to have recognized that we've fallen. That's true, brokenhearted, we've fallen. But also, we will rise. Again, this is right out of the text. And you can check out how we talked about this and explained it last week. We've fallen, yes, brokenhearted, but we will rise, we're bold. We sit in darkness, yes, brokenhearted, but also the Lord will be my light. Boldness. Brokenhearted. We bear the Lord's wrath, yes, but the Lord will plead my case. We're bold. We're both. We're both. 
right now. Listen to me. You might be sitting here and thinking to yourself, I should not have come to this service. You might be thinking, it's just like, man, there's no hope for me. I'm too messed up. I'm too far gone. You have no idea, pastor. And you might be right. I have no idea. God knows. And God did not bring you here to further burden you. A bruised reed he will not break. It's one of the most comforting passages in all the Bible to me. If you're broken about your sin, God's not going to snap you in half. A bruised reed he will not break. God wants you. And that's why he brought you here. So let's do the serious work of studying this text and ask God how he can draw us to to himself. We learned what to know last week. This week we're going to learn what to do. And it's in three movements. But remember, it all goes back to being brokenheartedly bold. That after we've sinned, we're brokenheartedly bold with God. And so I want you to see this. Um, we, well, there's three points that we're going to be looking at today. We're going to watch by reading God's word. We're going to wait while remembering God's love. And we're going to bear through hoping in God's mercy. We're going to watch while, by reading God's word. We're going to wait while remembering God's love. We're going to bear through hoping in God's mercy. Would you just say that? Would you say these three with me together on account of three? Would you do that with me? Okay. On account of three. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll read brokenhearted boldness. Let me just read the first, and then we'll do the three together. Brokenhearted boldness after sin means we watch by reading God's word, wait while remembering God's love, bear through hoping in God's mercy. Let's do that again. We will watch by reading God's word, wait while remembering God's love, Bear through hoping in God's mercy. And so let's look at each one individually. Okay, so we watch by reading God's word. Do you see that here in the text? But as for me, I, what's the next word? Watch. At least one person's paying attention. I feel good about that. All right, we'll try it again. But as for me, I, what's the next word? Watch. Yeah, I watch. I watch in hope for the Lord. Okay. How do you watch? These are not passive acts. Watching, waiting, bearing. These are not passive acts. These are not like watching TV. You know how like watching TV is a passive act? Basically, you turn on a channel and you're either entertained or informed or whatever you are. No, no, no. In, Christ, in the Christian walk, we don't watch like passively. We watch aggressively. We're looking out for God. We watch. You know what we watch like? We watch like we're a kid who just lost his parents in the beach. We watch like that. It's not like, oh, I bet my parents will find me someday. It's not like that. We watch like, ma, ba. We are furious. In our watching. That's how we watch. Because we're brokenheartedly bold. We feel like we've gone in a direction different from, 
from where the Lord is. And some of you might even say as far as like, I don't even feel God anymore. I know. That's why you got to watch. That's why you got to watch. So let me tell you how I watch. I watch by reading God's word. I can't tell you how God's word comforts me. I can't tell you how God's word heals my soul. I go into God's word. It's because when I go into God's word, I see the movement of God in ways that I can't see just by sitting alone or just by acting like nothing is wrong. I watch by reading God's word. After I've sinned, I need to be reminded how God deals with his people after their sin. And so we watch by reading God's word. But here's the deal, and here's the thing. We don't read God's word. If the statistics are right, we're all pretty essentially um, biblically illiterate. Like there's, the statistics are scary. The statistics are scary. For how many times, I'm talking about evangelical, Bible-believing Christians read their Bible. But all, I don't need to give you statistics. I'm just going to ask you, how many times did you slowly, intentionally, meditatively read your Bible this week? And if there's a sense where you either A, read it just to check off a mark, or B, don't pick it up at all, then I would say that we need a different way. And so let me tell you a few of my practices in reading God's word. Can I share with you some of those? That might, and they're not your practices, they're my practices. And you don't have to do them. This is what I do. You could do whatever you want. I just want to spark some interest. Now, there's a, uh, uh, an app. You know how like uh, Pastor Gus just recently said, everybody pick up your phone and shut it off. And, and all of y'all totally disobeyed that. You know how you did that? You know how that happened just a few minutes ago? Yeah. So what I want you to do is when you get to your phone, what I want you to do is I want you to put in an app. It's called Read Scripture. It's all one word. Read Scripture. Now, what the app will do is it will not only give you a way to read the Bible, but it will also give you all sorts of instructions. Like, it'll literally have a video. Like, let's say, for instance, you're going to read the Book of Kings, right? You go, I have no, no idea what the Book of Kings is about. It gives you a video with drawings. I'm not even kidding with drawings and illustrations about what the book of Kings is about. Like, it's amazing. But the first thing, so I would, I would recommend to you to go ahead and, you know, get that app, read scripture. Um, but here's what you need before you get the app. You need to prioritize your Bible reading. You actually have to schedule into your life. Does anybody here... Like, does anybody here set, your, set their alarm? Who here is an alarm setter? I'm not an alarm setter, but I know a lot of people are. Okay, so there's a lot of people who are alarm setters, right? You know what that is? That's a commitment to the next day to wake up at a particular time, very specific. That's what you're doing when you're setting your alarm. It's a commitment to saying, I cannot wake up beyond this. I have responsibilities that I need to get to. And what I would say is that there needs to be as like an alarm setting. Like there needs to be something that goes off, whether literally on your phone, like an alarm going off saying, read your Bible. 
But there needs to be a time where you just pause and stop everything. So for me, I read my Bible both in morning and evening. I set aside a time. I wake up. I don't wake up. with. I'm, a, I'm kind of an early riser. I just wake up whenever the Lord um, wakes me up, right? So sometimes that's 3 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes that's 6 o'clock in the morning. But whatever time, I'm fine with it. And so I wake up, and here's what I do. Here's what I do. I get my Bible. I do several things. I, I have a journal that I write out my prayers. You know why I do that? Because I'm a mess. Because I'm a mess. And you have no idea how easy it is for me to get distracted. You have no idea. I bet some of you are the same way. And so I write out my prayers because it's easy for me to start my prayers like this. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus is red, red. I love the color red. You know, it's like a Corvette. Oh, I love Corvette. Little red Corvette. And then, oh, you know that girl wore that red dress. Didn't that look? You see how crazy that is? That's what happens in my brain when I pray. I start with the blood of Jesus and I end up with Prince. I know I'm the only one. I know none of y'all are like that. I know y'all are all focused and monastic in your discipline to pray. I know that's true. So I write out my prayers because I'm a mess. And as I write out my prayers, I write and then read. And then write and then read. And when I open my Bible, I have a prayer. I'll give it to you. It comes right out of Scripture. Show me great things in your word. Show me great things in your word. So I'm, I was reading my Bible the other day. And there's, at the end of 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, not at the end of 2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel, I think uh, chapter 12, it's after uh, David um, sleeps with Bathsheba. Do you know the story? So David is sleeping with Bathsheba. He sleeps with Bathsheba. It was one of his best friend's uh, wives. Nice. Then he couldn't trick the guy to have sex with his wife because the guy was off in war. He tried to bring him back to have sex with his wife so he could think, oh, wow, you know, it's my baby. What, who, what are the chances? I just came back that one day. Look at that. Isn't that incredible? So he, he tries to trick uh, his best friend into doing that. When his best friend won't do that, he goes, well, there's nothing left to do. I'm going to confess and ask for forgiveness. Not at all. He does what me and you do. We double down on our sin. And then he, ca- he tells that guy, his name is Uriah, and he gives him a letter. Could you imagine carrying your own death warrant? He gives him a letter that tells the commander to put him in the front line where the fighting is hottest, and he dies. Then David, the good guy that he is, marries her, so she's not put to shame, and everything is forgotten. Nathan, the prophet, comes up to him, and he says, Yo, that was this, and he gives him this incredible, elaborate, it's one of the best sermons in the history of the world. He gives us this incredibly elaborate sermon that David gets. You ever see somebody sin and get so mad at that and then recognize five minutes later, oh my gosh, that's me. That's the way I am. Like, have you ever seen one of your kids act crazy in the store um, because you didn't get them what they wanted? And then you rebuke the kids and you're furious with how spoiled they are. And then at, uh, next minute you go, oh my gosh, I think that's what I look like when I ask God for stuff and he doesn't give it to me. It's like that. It's like a moment like that. Well, what happens? In that moment, 
in that moment, David is awakened. And then later on in verse chapter 12, it says two things. And this is just by me reading my Bible. Two things happen. When, when Nathan is talking to him about his sin, he says like this. He goes, why did you, after he claims what he said, here's what David's sin was. He utterly disdained, that means hated, God's word. That's what David's real sin was. Not that he looked at, you know, oh my gosh, I broke the looking at naked women rule. Oh my gosh, I broke the sleeping with my best friend's wife's rule. That wasn't his sin. His sin was that he hated God's word. You want to know what the other sin was? Not only did he hate God's word, but and then it goes on in just a few verses to say he had utter, listen to this, utter scorn for God. I had to look up the word scorn. It means to hold in contempt. It means to not think as worthy. That's the way he was. I read that and I realized in that moment that when I sin, I'm not just breaking a rule. I'm telling God, I hate you and your word. It undid me. You ever like sobbed? It undid me. You know how that happened? I was waiting on the Lord by reading his word. So I have a time, I have a place, I have a system. You pick your time, you pick your place, you pick your system. I suggest you get the Bible reading app, read scripture. And for those of you who are not struggling with sin right now and you think that this is for the person sitting next to you, may I please ask you to take this message personally. Would you? Would you not listen to this message for the person who needs to hear it, that you're going to send them the link on the text? Would you just recognize that you need it for yourself? Read the scripture. So the first is that I watch by reading God's word. That's how I watch for the Lord. And the Lord comes to me. It's beautiful. Second is that I wait while remembering God's love. First is watch. Second is wait. We'll get to bearing third, but right now it's wait. Wait while remembering God's love. This happens over and over in the Bible. To wait on the Lord is not passive. Waiting on the Lord. Do you know how you like, do you know how like you wait for your Amazon packages? You know how active that is? You know how like you go on your phone or on your computer and then you click on the link to find out, oh my gosh, look, they've gotten four more blocks. It's an aggressive wait, isn't it? It's not a passive wait. We wait on God like we wait on Amazon packages. We wait on God the way we wait for our Uber driver to pick us up. We wait on God the way we wait for a lover to come home who's promised us the night of our lives. We wait on God with anticipation, looking forward to the gift that he's going to give simply by his presence. We wait on God actively. We wait on God actively. We watch by reading God's word. We wait while remembering God's love. And that, the remembering God's love part, is clicking on the link to find out where the package is. You see what I'm saying? We remember God's love. Let me ask you, was your last sin your worst sin? 
Maybe. Maybe. But was your last sin your worst sin? Like when Dennis confessed that he had messed up coming over here, do you think that was the worst one? I bet he could look back on his life of worse sins of that than that. Most of us can. And he can remember God's mercy with the worst of the worst sins. But maybe your last sin was your worst sin. And you can too remember that God has forgiven great sins, not only in your life, but we go back to the scriptures and we see God forgiving the impossible. We see Christ dying on the cross for your sins, whether they're traffic infractions, whether they're threatening another soul, whether they are cheating on your spouse, stealing from your job, I don't know what your sins are. But we don't wait just rehearsing our sin. We wait remembering not only our sin, but we remember God's love. That's how we wait. We go, wait, wait, wait. We go back to the cross. We go back to the cross and we're reminded, oh yeah, that's how bad my sin was and that's how determined God is to win me to himself. I remember uh, Psalm 130 verse 5. I don't remember it. It was pointed out to me. I, Psalm 130 verse 5 says this. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits and in his word I put my hope. This is what it means to be brokenheartedly bold. It means that we watch. It means that we wait, but we don't end there. It also means that we bear through hoping in God's mercy. We bear through hoping in God's mercy. What does that mean? What does that look like? Okay. We bear through hoping in God's mercy. Look at me. Did you remember the text, what the text said? Remember, every one of these points came right out of the text. Look at this. Because I have sinned against him, look at verse 9. Because I have sinned against him, I will, what's the next word? Bear the Lord's wrath. Now watch this. The sins that we've committed, do you think they're, God's happy about them or God's brokenhearted about them? Brokenhearted. Absolutely. The Bible speaks about, and this is a very important thing, God speaks about how he chastens those he loves. You know what's the absolute worst possible um, punishment you can get? Is when you don't even think about your sin anymore. When God just gives you over to your sin. I've been there. But God says, no, no, no. I want you to bear patiently under the wrath. Let me ask you something. Have you seen in the Bible when the Bible speaks about how God pours out his wrath? Have you ever seen that in the scriptures? It's like super scary, right? It's like how people die when God's wrath comes out. Isn't that true? 
So how could we bear with God's wrath? Here's how we do it. Because we recognize that God's wrath was poured out utterly and completely on Christ. We go, how bad was my sin? That bad. That God himself had to come, take up our sin. That's why we don't have to walk around with shame. And we recognize that we bear the burden of God's wrath as one who sees that God bared that wrathful burden not only for him, not only for him, but because he loves him. So now watch this. So we are people. Remember how we said in Easter, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death because Jesus faced death for real. We can bear the wrath of God because Jesus faced the true wrath of God. Now, what do we do with all that? Here's what we do. We watch by reading God's word. We wait while remembering God's love. We bear through hoping in God's mercy. So here's what I want you to do. This week, as you're going through your week, I want you to just look towards God as you're reading his word and as he's correcting you and training you and bringing you up and drawing you to himself, I pray that you would continue to pursue his word. You wait while remembering God's love. Listen to me. Even in the moment where you feel like all alone and all hope is gone, you go, wait, 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 wait. God is moving here. God is doing something. I'm not going to be here forever. And then you bear through hoping in God's mercy. All of these are possible because of what Christ has done for us. So we look to Christ as our hope. We look to Christ as our encouragement. We look to him for our joy. As the singers come up. Now, if you're here,